Kia ora and welcome to Business Your Way, a podcast where I take you behind the scenes and look at the strategies, systems and support needed to grow and scale an online service business. One that not only supports you and your family financially, but one that gives you the freedom to live the life of your dreams. I'm taking the many lessons learnt over the last two decades of running my own business and working with hundreds of clients to bring you what's working now conversations. I'm pulling back the curtain to bring you real stories from real people, including myself. We're going to talk about everything from how to get clarity on your vision, creating systems so you can automate and delegate, how to hire a kick-ass team that creates raving, returning and referring clients. We're even going to talk about how to kick those limiting beliefs to the curb so that you can flourish in your business. I'm your host, Sandra Julian, an Indigenous mama of three, fashion-loving sewist and business strategist. Each week, I want to help you dream big, plan well and do the work to grow and scale your business your way. Just before we jump into this week's episode, I want to invite you to join me for a 90-minute live training to boost your productivity with full focus. To say the last two years have been crazy would be an understatement. So it is completely understandable if you are running at full sprint but it seems like you are never getting anywhere. You feel like you are on that dreaded hamster wheel. Well, it's time to stop all of that chaos, refocus and get clarity to make progress on the things that matter to you most. In this 90-minute live training session, I'm going to walk you through three key steps to boost your productivity. We're going to uncover why we often fail to reach our big goals. And we're going to look at how we can connect our annual goals to our daily action with the power of three. We're going to cover how to do more in less time by creating constraints that force creativity and out-of-the-box thinking. And we're also going to look at how we can optimize your days with the full focus planner and understand how to leverage habits to create self-automation. I invite you to register for this one-time only live productivity training. It's being held on the 17th of March, or for my Northern Hemisphere friends, that will be 16th of March. So head on over to sandrajulian.co forward slash productivity and get yourself registered. I'll see you there. Hey Julie, thanks so much for joining us on the Business Your Way podcast today. I am so excited to have you here. Our topic is really juicy and I can't (laughs) wait to dive into it. But before we get into all the juicy stuff, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, who you are, who you serve and how you make your moolah. Well, I love this question. Thank you again for having me. It is an honor and pleasure to be here. My name is Julie DeLuca Collins, and I am a business and life strategy coach 
I am Tiny Habit certified and I work with amazing individuals, mainly women, who are in midlife looking to build or grow a business specifically to be able to create the type of consistent income that allows them to live the life that they want for themselves. Beautiful. And how do you work with them? So how do you make your moolah? Like, do yeah. you do one-on-one coaching or is it course creation? I, so I do, I do uh, one-to-one coaching also additionally to the one-to-one coaching, most people start off with me through one of my coaching programs. My coaching program, specifically the group coaching, is designed to be a small group, but is really designed for the three different stages of business. There's a lot of individuals that don't realize that as an entrepreneur, you may be in the business development And this is the coaching that I do for individuals who are just starting out, who maybe are turning into from a side hustle to a full-time practice, don't know anything about business. And mainly they're looking to figure out, well, what are the first things that I need to do? And I walk them through the process. Maybe you need a business strategy, a plan, a marketing plan, really creating a personal brand then being able to, from there, identify who they're going to serve, what their proof of concept is. Once people finish that group coaching, that first 12 weeks, then the other way that individuals can work with me and other people, maybe they've been in business for a while and they're looking to grow or scale or be consistent with the income that they're bringing in monthly. There's many entrepreneurs who are doing a great job, but they're not making consistent money. And this is where I come in and I help them be able to set up the strategies and the operations procedures that they need. Uh, Maybe we troubleshoot some of their habits. Maybe their productivity needs revamping, or maybe they don't have the systems in place like an email marketing plan, or they don't have Uh, marketing, a social media, a presence outside. So we identify some of these issues and I help them define and grow and and fix that. And last but not least, I also work with the entrepreneurs and group coaching who maybe they have been in business for a while, they've been successful, but now they want to diversify. They want to grow and scale. And that's something that I I take a lot of pride to being able to help someone. I come from a 20-year background in the education industry. I've been a senior executive in multiple different uh, national companies and have been able to develop business and grow these operations to multi-million dollars. Now, I've been in business for myself for a couple of years. And after sort of uh, floundering for the first few months, I was able to figure out, okay, wait a minute, let me run this like I, I ran other businesses. And once I figured out who I serve, what I offer, I was able to define uh, an entity and an organization that can serve others in the way that I know it's most needed. That's beautiful. So, and is there a specific client? Like, are you specifically working with service providers or course creators or physical product businesses where they've the shipping or the e-commerce? Is there any type of business that mainly comes to you to help them? You know, I think the majority of my clients are course creators, coaches, consultants, but I do have some that actually have a brick and mortar building, a brick and mortar product or service that they provide. I have a couple clients that have, one of them has a gym, another one has a bakery, other ones have products that they actually sell on Etsy. So it, it really does depend where they are. One of my biggest goals is to be able to identify 
the individual, where they're coming from, and really see if we're the right fit. Because as a coach, my goal is to make them successful, but I want someone who's going to be willing to invest in themselves and spend the time to be able to grow. I don't think that there is anyone that I would not necessarily work with. I have also had some male clients. It's not the norm. However, I do specialize in working with coaches and consultants in that coaching space. And if we just backed up your story just a little bit, like when you were in corporate, what kind of positions or businesses or what did you take from that corporate background and you were able to bring it into starting your own business? Well, I have a very interesting background, Sandra. I started, before I went to corporate, I started off as a teacher. And I think that the teacher in me is probably the person that really informs how I run my organization and how I work with others. I really feel strongly in modeling some of the things that I help and teach my clients, specifically because if I know how to do it, then we're going to do it together, and then I'm going to teach you how, and then you're going to be able to do it on your own. As far as my corporate career, some of the things that really helped me to be able to uh, do what I am doing now and help others is I was lucky enough to work for an organization that really invested in their team and their staff, and I grew through the ranks with this organization. The organization uh, is some someone that I worked with for almost 10 years, and I started off uh, just managing one of their brick-and-mortar locations, tutoring centers. And I grew through the ranks, and I was promoted to work in the training department. Then I went to operations. Then I went into business development. And by the time I left the organization, I was one of the senior executives overseeing one of the multimillion-dollar business lines for the company. As an executive, one of the things that the company did is they really invested in training us in marketing, in sales, in operations, in business development, in franchising, because I was part of the model for that organization. So I feel that I got a really well-rounded education with hands-on experience to be able to identify, you know, what are the product lines that we're launching? How are we going to launch this? And how are we going to market? How are we going to train internally and create the processes to be able to grow this business line? Later on, I went to another organization that was probably doing as much revenue as my first organization, and that organization was a small business owner, a woman-owned, and she had gotten to grow her revenue into a multi-million dollar operation, but didn't have the infrastructure in the background. So my goal and one of the reasons she hired me was to help her create that infrastructure. My last role with the organization was chief innovation officer. I oversaw all of our contracting with school districts. I also oversaw all of the training and developing of the, uh, the programming that we did. And of course, I've done some public speaking and training as well. So I think that all of that combined has allowed me to be in a very unique position to be able to help individuals build either their marketing plan or build specifically their standard operating procedures, or really clearly identify what are the strategies that they need to take in order to consistently build their business and their consultancy or their coaching business. That is valuable background, especially working for an organization where it's a franchise model, because a franchise model has to get really clear 
around the brand and its processes because that's what they're selling to the franchisees. So yeah, that would have been like super valuable working for a franchised model and going through the ranks of that franchise model and being able to move around and look at the different positions and roles, that would have been super valuable and super interesting. It was. It was really, you know, and I still keep in touch with the president and CEO of the organization. It's someone that I am so indebted to because they definitely helped me become the executive and now business owner that I am today. But you are correct. And this is something that I really support individuals through. You have to be clear as to what your brand is. And your brand is not your logo. Your brand is not your colors. Your brand is the values that you bring into the table. Because ultimately, people are going to do business with you if they like, know, and trust you. If you do not create that like, know, and trust factor, people are not going to hire you. People are not going to want to give you their business, their money, and trust you with what they need solutions for. So it's very key that you create this entity for yourself in which you're very clear as to what your strengths, what your weaknesses are. And and this is that SWOT analysis, right? Mm -hmm. Also, what threatens you as an individual, an organization, as a business, and what opportunities are out there for you? Once you're really clearly defined all of that, in addition to what your values are, then you can move into defining who you serve and how do you serve them. Because once you have all of that together, then you can start to create the processes. You can start to create the everyday operations. Also, you can decide what tools you need to use within your organization, what things are relevant or not. I think that a lot of business owners decide, oh, you know what, I'm going to make a big investment in the software. But maybe you're not there yet. And you're spending all your time trying to learn a new software where technically you really should just be speaking to people about what you do and how you can serve them. And that's going to create clients for you. Yeah. And there is that uh, sense of, I need a tool to help me do X. Actually, sometimes we just have to go back to basics and do (laughs) the necessary and then worry about the tools that will help us amplify once we've got those basic foundations in place. Yeah, Sandra, one of the things I think that tools sometimes allow us to hide from Mm. the insecurities that we have and we feel maybe we're not successful because I am not using the right tool, where in essence sometimes it's not the tool, but it's your ability to be able to just um, put yourself out there. And for as long as you're blaming the tool, you're not blaming yourself. Yeah. And we really do need to go back to basics. You know, when we start our business, it's like, what are the fundamentals of business that I need to get right before I introduce all of these digital things into my business? Because they are only going to help you scale and amplify the foundations if they are strong. So you know, loving how you are helping your clients lay those foundations and get that part right before, you know, moving on to the next thing. I've got one question that's like burning in the back of my mind around (laughs) (laughs) when you went into business, you've gone into business to help coaches and consultants. 
what made you choose that client or that, you know, ideal persona to work with compared to perhaps being able to help those bigger organizations maybe with their franchising model or, you know, helping those corporate clients that you came from be better, do better? It's an excellent question. And thank you so much for asking. I actually, when I first launched my business and it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was not sure. And in in essence, this is probably why I help my clients with what I'm helping them with, because I, as a coach, as a consultant, I wasn't sure who I was going to serve. And in the very beginning, I was trying to get all sorts of clients. Well, I can help this non-for-profit. I have non-for-profit experience. Well, I can help this big business or I can help this small business. And I found myself fluttering. And the more that you try to speak to everyone, you're serving none. And what I found is that as, as soon as I started to realize, like, wait a minute, yes, I can serve a large organization. I can help someone in the franchise environment. But ultimately what I found is that I wanted to serve people who I knew were probably not going to be able to leverage the skills of someone like myself very easily. And because I already had struggled and I understood very well what they were going through as far as starting their business, growing it, not sure what to do for second or third. And maybe for myself, I spent a lot of time wasting trying to figure out what were the best colors for my logo, right? Which is not even relevant in some ways. So what I found is that I wanted to help others who were in the same shoes that I, I was. And that if I could really be able to invest in them, then they would continue to grow in confidence and continue to feel secure in what they were able to offer. And second of all, make a larger impact because we all have an impact to make. And sometimes we get so discouraged because we are not seeing our efforts pay off. So it's it's important to be able to have the right support system. And that's why I was drawn to be able to work with this population. And I like the fact that you say that you were drawn. It was something that was pulling at you and then you just followed that pull. Yeah, for sure. There's one one topic that I really want to dive into with you and and that's your thoughts around how service providers are creating proposals. So as a service provider, most of the time, the way that we invite our clients or potential clients to come work with us is that we prepare a proposal. And that proposal outlines the solution that we're offering and what that means for the client and how they are going to have their, I don't want to say their problem solved, but how our services are going to help them is all outlined in a proposal. Um, which is quite different from, you know, course creators, there's a sales page, come join my course with a sales page. Service providers, it's likely that we're preparing proposals. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on some things that perhaps people aren't doing, what you're seeing not happen, and where you think a proposal really needs to land in order to be successful. Yeah, so excellent question again. I think proposals are this thing that we sort of take for granted, right? Maybe we've had an initial conversation with somebody 
and we then put together something very basic. But as in, you know, a written proposal or also a conversational proposal, it is very important to one, be very clear once again as to the solutions that you provide. And if, you know, you are not clear as to what you are able to do for somebody else, you are not going to be able to communicate that. Second of all, it's also even more important to first understand what the needs are of the person that you are submitting the proposal to. So many people come in and say, oh, I can help you with A, B, C, and someone receives the proposal and says, well, this is all great, but that's not what I'm looking for, or that's not what I need, or that's not my priority. So in initial conversations, when you're speaking to your clients or, or potential clients, it's going to be very key for you to really be able to, one, obviously build a rapport with them so you can begin that process of being like, known, and, and trusted. Second, you want to go ahead and make sure that you understand what the pain points of your client are. And the proposal has to have that, that component in which you really outline because of your struggle with XYZ, right? Maybe you are not able to create a strategic plan. Maybe you are not able to uh, understand how to put together a marketing plan. Then you you can then outline because you, you need a marketing plan in order to XYZ achieve this result, right? And you're outlining what the result is going to be, the transformation that someone is going to get. So those two are some of the biggest components that I, I see that people are not putting in their proposals and not allowing them to then be able to move someone from a prospect and convert them to a client. The second thing is that I, I see a lot of individuals who, in creating a proposal, they're not very clear in their pricing as well. And, you know, creating the right package is so important. I really believe that everybody should have a signature offer. And from that, you can, you can then choose to have maybe a la carte um, services that you can also provide, but be very clear in what your time is worth, what the project is worth, and then outline what does it take to achieve that result? How long will it take? So making sure that you outline the length of time that is going to take for someone to achieve, um, you know, if you're going to be working as a coach with somebody, how often will you meet what will happen during these meetings? Having that as part of the proposal is also very important. And many people overlook that. The other thing, too, that I recommend to my clients is you want to have a template. You don't want to be reinventing the wheel because the key thing in submitting a proposal is time. From the time that you speak to someone, the conversation is fresh in their mind. You don't want to have a lag where you are going to send a proposal a week later because ultimately people are ready to take action when there's a pain point. And the more time that passes, the more that that pain point is lessened because they forget how much this is an issue for them. So good. So going back to the point around identifying the client's problem that they're coming with or identifying their need. So they're coming to you because they've got a need. Identifying that and then creating a proposal to meet that need doesn't mean, you know, customized services every time, because as you mentioned, it's good to have a signature offer. 
how how are you recommending that a business owner can bridge that gap can make the identified the need of the client and scope it into their package because I think that's where the the disconnect can come right is this is my need this is my package and they can be completely at opposite ends of the spectrum but that doesn't mean that you can't solve that client's issue or you can't help that client but it does mean that you have to bridge a gap or like how do you describe that client's need to, to think about that piece you know, my system is a little, a little more, I don't even know what the word is. I, I think it's a little more um, structured than a lot of people. And, and certainly as with anything, like I mentioned, anything that I use or do is typically what I teach my clients. But I, I do believe that the system that works best is the system that you actually use. So for me, um, let me walk you through the process. I actually do have software, online software that is actually my my financial software, and it does allow me to create proposals. But what has allowed me to do is actually create templates. So I have multiple blurbs, and what I've identified are some of the biggest issues that some of my clients struggle with. And in essence, I'll, you know, so for instance, if someone is struggling from a marketing perspective or someone is struggling to, doesn't even know how to set up a corporation, a limited liability company. Uh, we there's different things that describe the pain point, right? Because of your issue or your problem or your challenge of not knowing how to this, our program will include, and I cover all of these individual points. And then after describing all of the things that my services include, and all of these are pre-written, and obviously as I'm putting it into the proposal template, I am just dragging and dropping in there. But I also can edit and personalize to the person that I'm making the proposal to. Once I do that, the second component in, in my proposal is once I address what their needs and maybe their pain points are, then I have a detailed explanation of what are the timelines for the services and what key components or key times will be for experiencing and achieving some of the things that we're looking to accomplish overall, key intervals that they, you know, maybe in two weeks, one of the things that we will accomplish is in three weeks, in, in four weeks, or after a month, after six months, and having that. And at the end of the program, these are some of the directions that we hope and we, you know, achieve. The other component also is after you've talked about not only how you, that you understand the pain points of a client, their issues, the problems, things that you're trying to solve and help them with in addressing how you're going to do it. You also want to make sure that you give, obviously, a very clear understanding that there is a level of commitment from their end as well. I think that a lot of consultants and coaches forget that this is not just a one-sided relationship. It's not just you coaching them, giving solutions, and then all of a sudden this person is fixed or this person solves all their problems. You also have to outline that there is a level of commitment. And I outline in my proposal also the expectation for my clients. My expectation is that they're going to show up in a timely manner to their sessions. My expectation is that 
they are going to complete some of the exercises. The expectation is that they're going to ask for help and outlining all of that up front so that there's a clear understanding of what the relationship is going to be like. That is so good because now you're personalizing that proposal and the reader is going, can I commit to that? Is that what I'm prepared to do right now in order to move on? So clearly spelling that out. Can you elaborate on how you define the difference between customized and personalized proposals? So customize is definitely something that is going to fit the overall needs of the business, right? But personalization means that I am going to, I know you intimately. I know what your struggles are as a person, not just as a company, and that you are going to get me. When people work with me, sure, they get my expertise, but they also get a human being behind it. And that personalization. And I know that, you know, I can teach someone email systems, right? Or I can teach someone tiny habits, how to implement tiny habits into their business or productivity. And I can customize it, but ultimately it's going to be personalized as well to that individual. Because again, I, I go back to the teacher in me. The teacher in me understands that everybody learns differently. There's different ways in which someone needs to have the information delivered to them. And that's a lot of what I try to do for each person working with me. I, for instance, today I had clients that I worked with were covering something on the selling process, having sales conversations, which tend to be very challenging for many women in particular and because they don't want to feel too salesy, right? But one of the things that as we're having this conversation, I, even though we were in a group setting, I really, the way that I explain things to each individual is really specific to them and, and the way in which they're going to do their exercises or follow-up is going to be very personalized to them. Customization is important, but personalization is going back to that personal brand, your values, how you are going to interact with someone and being able to show that person that you're the right solution for them. Because the, I don't know whether it's an issue is the right word, but what I see with service providers, especially in those early years of business, they are customizing every proposal and every proposal is presenting a different solution. Right. So, you know, so then the business owner themselves are stretched really thin because they're delivering a multitude of products in a one-off manner because they've customized it particularly to that client in order to win the client. So then their business doesn't really have a program or a solution. They've got multiple solutions. And then they're wondering why they're busy, 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 but the business isn't returning them much at all. So they've got not a lot to show for being really busy and having lots of clients. But the issue is actually having lots of clients who they're delivering multiple solutions for. Is that something you see often? I I do. And, And here's the thing. I think that customization is something that the end user, it normally 
is looking for, right? I, I want a solution that's customized, but personalization of the delivery is something that you're doing for them. And that's, that's important. And I think that, like you said, many entrepreneurs in the very beginning feel that they need to, they're going to lose a client if they don't do what the client is looking for. And they're, they're really toiling and in stretching themselves way too thin because they're trying to not lose the client. But ultimately, here's what I recommend. The clients that are going to be the best clients for you is the person who is going to be the right fit. And, you know, it's okay to say, no, I don't do that. Because if it's stretching you, if it's changing what you are good at, if, and you are just going for, um, you know what, I need to, or I need to get this client because I'm looking for that revenue. Um, then you're eventually going to not make the revenue because you're not going to be able to serve that client because you're not personalizing to them. And you're not being true to the core service that your business is set up to deliver, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, I have a lot of clients that will ask me, for instance, you know, do you train on public speaking? You're, you're a public speaker. You've been featured in the news. You have a podcast. And Sure, I can do that, but it, it, that's taking me outside my core competencies. And I think that you need to identify where your core competencies are. Now, that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be able to offer that as a service in the future, but first do what you do best and maybe you find the right person that can fill that need for the clients if there's a high enough demand for you to do it. You know, working for the for the franchise organization, one of the biggest lessons that I learned is the system is in place for a reason. Anytime you try to deviate from the system, you are diluting what already has been proven to work. Oh, that is so good. Say that again, diluting. <laughs> yeah, anytime that you deviate from the system, you are going to dilute what has already been proven to work. For instance, in some of the work that I do with clients, I am helping them define that personal brand, create that strategy, be able to then create a marketing plan. And I teach them how to be the CEO of their business. Mm -hmm. But, it, and there is a system. There is, and, and yes, I do personalize that individually, but ultimately I am not going to get into maybe doing their finances, teaching them how to file their taxes. No, go and hire the right person for that. And my <laughs> program doesn't offer that. I will bring an expert to talk to you about that. Because if I start to teach that, I haven't proven that that is something, again, I use experts and I use the right person to help me put together the finances for my business, be able to manage. I have an accountant and that's important. And I can teach you the basics, but I am not an accountant. So I'm going to have you hire the right person for that because my system, right, my process has already been proven that I can I know how to help you create that business plan. I know how to help you implement. I know how to help you build your email list. I know how to help you build an engagement calendar, how to show up in social media. All these little things are part of what's already my system. If I start bringing in, oh my God, that coach is helping people with their finances. I should do that and put this as an offer. Then I'm diluting what I do well and I'm spreading myself too thin. So good. We need to take that quote and put it on the wall and share that widely. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank you. 
let's dive into how long it took you to set this up because you know I think this is another space where we get caught up right we're like oh yeah I can just knock out a proposal but there's actually some time and energy and effort that needs to go into thinking about the system of creating killer proposals that are going to get us booked. So how long did it take you to put a system in place for your proposals? Excellent. I think that I probably was able to nail it down about a good year into the process. And it didn't mean that I wasn't sending proposals out. But here is one of the things that I teach my clients, and this is where um, we forget. A track number grows. And although I was submitting proposals to potential clients in the very beginning, being able to track my conversion, right, it's so important. I am a big proponent of going over your key numbers on a weekly basis. And being able to measure the efficacy of something is so important. So as I started to see, you know, that proposal didn't work or that proposal didn't get an answer or this proposal was turned down. Why? And, and, and not being afraid of asking. And really that helped me redefine and define my process to where now it's sort of an, a science. I have it down to a science, but it really does take some trial and error it, it does take, uh, you know, obviously I didn't invent the wheel, but I made the wheel my own and it takes some time to be able to do that. But I wouldn't have been able to get to this place if it weren't for me going back and saying, you know, d- was why is there a reason this didn't resonate with you? And, and there are times in which someone came back and said, you know what, I'm not, this is not something I'm looking for or I don't need. And I had to refine and, and define what is it. But you have to, again, systems are out there. You can go in the internet and find anything you want. You can have a coach teach you something. You can actually buy software that can help you. But ultimately, again, it comes to you doing and what system works for you and making it your own. But with everything, track your progress. See what your numbers are. How many proposals? And this is another mistake that people make. You send a proposal out. And then you don't follow up. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, oh, they hate me. They don't want me. Well, guess what? Life happens to everyone. And they wanted to get back to you, but things were going on. In the, and, and you are saving them and you are servicing them by calling them and saying, hi, did you get my proposal? Do you have any questions? Is there anything that I can clarify? Because sometimes the follow-up is what will win you the proposal as well. And that was going to be my next question. So you've led to that beautifully is the proposal is only one step in that process of securing a new client. So what does your system or your process look like either side of that proposal piece? So before I actually send a proposal, one of the things that I do use, and it's one of the things that I pride myself in having is I have a customer management system. And in the very beginning, I am not embarrassed at all to tell you that it was not automated. It was just a piece of paper where I would write, this is the first person I spoke to, and I would write what my outcome of the conversation was. And I would put in the date that I spoke to them. And 
anytime that I followed up with them or that I had another interaction, I would make a note in my little piece of paper. And then I graduated to an Excel spreadsheet and I started keeping track of that. And of course, you know, I, I, I am very fortunate. I have a husband who is actually a green belt in Sig Sigma. And he looks at my papers and he's like, oh God, you need automation and you need a process. And and although I'm very good and, and I can and, and I've been trained to create processes, I do need someone to be able to from time to time reiterate to me, hey, maybe this is a better way of doing things. And once you have a process in place, right, it's easier to see how you're moving people along. I consider that there's five components of a marketing strategy or a marketing plan. First, you have people who you are attracting, and you're not going to send an, an, a proposal to someone who just is finding out about you. But you're going to move people from that attraction phase to an engagement. So you're going to engage in conversation. Maybe you're going to find out a little bit about them, and then you're going to move them into a nurture. You're going to nurture that relationship. Maybe you give them some feedback. Maybe you give. Maybe they get one of your free guys or something and you're moving them along the process and then you get to the sales phase of the marketing plan or the marketing relationship with someone. And in that sales phase, you can, you know, again, keep track of where you are with this relationship. And then when you submit a proposal, it's important to be able to, one, when you tell someone you're going to send a proposal, you send that and, and timely is it's so important. It makes a difference. It could be the difference also between you and somebody else winning the bid. Because it could be that you send them a proposal, but you send it a week later, and maybe they met somebody else that made them an offer before you got an opportunity to send your proposal. So keep track of all these things. Evaluate them from week to week. I, I have a time in my calendar Sunday nights before my week starts that I actually go through my calendar and I say, okay, who do I need to speak to? Why? Why am I speaking to this person? What do I need to send to them? Or do I need to follow up with them? And may, move people along this process of where are they in the relationship? This is the customer journey. And then that proposal falls within that sales journey part of the of, of where your customers are. And do you... You get on a phone with them, so you've attracted them to you. You're engaging with them with an email, social media, nurturing that relationship. Do they then get on a phone call from you, or what does it look like immediately before you send them a proposal? Because I'm kind of guessing that you're not going to get an email from someone and then send them a proposal. You're going to have a conversation, yeah. actually a physically pick up the phone conversation with them first? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, so for instance, from my process, I'll give you an example. I actually just have a client that hired me and she was referred. And again, I, I highly recommend referrals. Referrals are going to be your, your greatest accomplishment in a business because that is going to ease you along in that customer journey. So this person already came to me knowing me, having had some feedback from someone that has worked with me in the past and had great results. And what we did is we had a conversation and we had and, and we we did that I would say that engagement at first and that first conversation was more about getting to know you, find out where she is, what she's looking for, what she's looking to accomplish. And then we we met for a Zoom and I said, Hey, 
Um, I want her to have a taste of what I can offer. And I said, I'd love to, you know, be able to maybe guide you through what, what I would feel would be a right strategy for you based on what you are. And, and I ask permission and the, is it okay? Would you like my help with, with that? And I guide them to a conversation in which is not a sales call, but it's a conversation where I'm learning more again about them. What is their pain point? What are their difficulties? What are their struggles? So that I can fully understand if I am the right solution and how I'm going to help them. Because that's the basis of my proposal, that solution. And after that conversation, at the end, I say, well, is it okay? You know, there, it, you know, would you be interested in learning about how to work with me? I have a couple different programs and I describe them. And I said, is it okay if I send you some information? Would you like that? And sometimes people say, you know, no, not at this time. Or they, they say, yes, I would like to definitely have some information and, and I then have create that proposal. And it typically goes back to them overnight. Right. But again, I've automated a lot so that when I log into my system, I have a lot of it already done. And then I personalize it to that individual. And are they making the initial contact with you or are you reaching out to them to say, you know, can you get on a call? It varies. I, yeah, it varies. Because sometimes I think that's where, you know, we get stuck too is we're putting out all our marketing material and we are, you know, we're either waiting for that client to go, yes, can we get on a call yeah, in order to get the proposal? So I was, I'm, just want yeah. to dive into that a little bit with you around what's your process around so, are you yeah. reaching out or are you getting inbound, you know, people reaching out to you? So I get a little bit of both. I mm. actually, uh, and, and here's what I recommend. You have to have a system that makes it easy for people to reach out to you. Uh, so for instance, in my website, there is an automated calendar. If someone wants to book some time with me, they can. A lot of people learn about me. Maybe they hear me speak in a podcast or they heard me at, at a conference or, uh, for instance, I've done some partnerships also in Clubhouse or, or I'm collaborating with other coaches. I've been invited to speak in other coaches' uh, program. So people will have the ability to connect with me and they can set up an initial 15-minute get-to-know-you. From that get-to-know-you, then I make the decision to, you know, I invite them, one, to my email system. If you don't have an email system, then you you are missing out because ultimately the people out there, you know, they, we if we connect with them through social media or some other platform, we don't own their contact. So it's very important that you create that list of followers of potential clients. And really, once you have the list, you also need to segment that list because you're not going to speak to everybody in the same way, right? I have individuals that I've connected because they're possible potential promotional partners. I have people that I've connected because they need my services or they're looking for someone to help them in one specific area. So it's very key that you segment that list. And last but not least, once you have people in your universe, you continue to outreach, you continue to keep track where you are in the conversation. My customer management system also, I started, and, and, and I can't take credit for this, this is actually a client of mine that came up with this because I, te I teach that 
move people along from attraction to engagement to nurture to sales. She actually, rather than uh, categorizing her leads or her potential clients as, oh, this is a new potential client, this is a lead, or this is a, someone who I'm moving along in a sales process, she calls them, this is someone who I am attracting, someone who I'm engaging, someone who are nurturing the relationship. So I started to uh, categorize people like that as well in my CRM. And there are times in which maybe I don't have anything in the books, but I will outreach to someone that I had a conversation with, or I will outreach to someone or follow up with someone that said no to a proposal and said, you know, this is not the right time. And I can follow up with them and find out not, hey, is this the right time? Hire me. But I will find out, hey, has anything changed? What are you working on? Is there anything, you know, that maybe we can talk a little bit about and how I may be the right fit for you now? So it is important to definitely keep track of everything that you're doing and the relationships that you have, because ultimately it's all about relationships. People want to do business with people they have a relationship with. That is so true. That is so true. And that's why referrals are a good part of your marketing plan for service providers. Because when someone has had a great experience with you as a service provider, and someone is saying, oh, I'm having trouble with this, the first thing that comes to their mind is that referral. So, (laughs) yeah, I believe that service-based businesses don't give enough emphasis to systemizing their referrals. And if we can get better at that as service providers, then our marketing gets easier. Oh, for sure. You know, one of the other things, too, that I think that we don't do well as service providers is, and most people think, okay, I have the client, we're done. And that's not it. No. When you get the client, you are just starting. Your goal, and you know, one of my mentors is Pat Flynn uh, from Smart Passive Income Podcast. And um, I am part of his community and I am so fortunate. He wrote the book, Superfans. And I have made it my mission that anytime someone is working with me, then my goal is to make them my super fan because my super fans are my advocates. My mm. super fans are the ones that tell people about the results that they're getting. My super fans are the ones that are encouraging others who maybe are struggling with the same things that they struggled with to have a conversation with me. So when I get on the phone with someone that is coming from a super fan, that conversation is much easier. And I nurture the relationships with the people who are now my clients. Um, every once in a while, my my clients, and you know, if there's anybody who listens who is my client, will know that they will randomly get something in the mail from me. Maybe a card, maybe something that I know they needed. Just just a little something, and it doesn't have to be big. Or they will get a text, or maybe they get a shout out in my Facebook group. Things that remind them that I am their cheerleader. I am their friend, I am their coach, and I am the person that stands behind them and is looking for them to succeed as much as they want to succeed. Beautiful, beautiful. And do you find that that differs if you're dealing with organizations as opposed to individuals? Yeah, so one of the biggest things with organizations, and I do some work for organizations, is that the timeline is a little different, number one. Number two Typically, you might be working with one person 
within within an organization that you're submitting the proposal to, but they may not be the ultimate decision makers. Mm -hmm. So it is very important to find out in the very beginning who is a stakeholder in of availing yourselves of these services. Who else? Because you want to make sure that you're speaking to the pain points or the needs of everybody who is going to be on board and who is part of the organization. I think a lot of service providers don't quite know that there is multiple layers that you have to go through when dealing with an organization. I was hired to do a training for a Fortune 50 company here in Connecticut. And I was so fortunate to be able to come and do this training for them. But it wasn't just the person that I initially spoke to. I needed to be able to speak to the needs and the concerns, right, that other team members and other stakeholders had. So my proposal had to include, and I had to be very clear, who else I was needing to speak to. And not that you can get into a conversation with everyone involved, but that a person that you're having the conversation with, they can tell you who else is a stakeholder. What are their goals? What do they need? What do you feel they're going to say about this program that I am offering? And really being able to have that conversation will help you also be able to win a proposal when you're dealing with an organization. That is so true because I experience that all the time is the person that I'm dealing with and nurturing the relationship with isn't the ultimate decision maker. Mm-hmm. And so it's super important that I'm providing the information that will influence the decision maker. Because most of the time, the person that I'm having a conversation with and talking over proposal and services and what we do, that conversation, they're like, yes, like you're the one, you, I want to work with you. Yes. But then their job is to go away and convince the decision maker that this is the right service provider. This is the right person that we need to be working with. And then I see that it's my job to provide what that person needs, the relationship that I'm created with that that single person. It's my job to arm them with all the information that they have to put a compelling story to Mm. the decision maker, you know, and talk through all of the objections that you think that that decision maker might have and arm that person with that information because they're going in to be your advocate. They've already made up their mind, but then they have to advocate for you. So how do you make their job easier to be your advocate? Absolutely. And here's the other thing too that I would say is if you are servicing someone Part of the process as well in this proposal, and especially if you're going after an organization, is make sure that you have testimonials, make sure that you have proof of authority, of of competency, because, for instance, with an organization, you may have created a relationship. You know, I've had people who've heard me speak at conferences and an organization will say, yeah, we need this person, but they've never heard of you. And they were not at the conference that the, the initial person you're having contact with. So it's important, you know, if you've, if you've done some work, make sure that you get testimonials. Make sure that you get some sound clips of what you've done or maybe a sample of your work that other people that will make it easier 
for them to present this to a larger audience and to say, hey, this is this person and you can check them out here and you can hear them here and you can see them, uh, see their work here and you can talk to this person. All of that and and the person that's putting together that that liaison with you is going to love you because you're cutting their work in half and they want to continue to work with you. Yeah, totally. I agree. I agree with that completely. You know, that's a good thing to point out is your proposal for an organization is going to be slightly different to your proposal where you are pitching to work with the decision maker themselves. Yes. Good point. All right, Julie, I'm loving this conversation and diving into all of the things (laughs) about proposals because I don't hear this conversation enough around how our proposals are the key to us being able to convert that relationship. They're like the final piece in that relationship that swings them from, you know, from a from a lead or a relationship that you're nurturing into actually working with you. And your proposals can make or break that that decision. I really want to wrap up our time today. Would you be able to share with us three things that you believe would be key to growing a service-based business? Absolutely. One is know your personal brand and who you serve. That is so important because if you are not clear on what you offer, who you are, and who you're offering it to, you're going to spend a lot of time speaking and creating messaging that is not going to resonate or attract anybody to work with you. That would be the first thing. The second thing is I want to encourage you to really be able to analyze your offers, be okay with failure, and track the things that you've been successful with and not. Because a lot of times, you know, we, um, I have a client that said to me that, you know, prior to working with me, she threw, she was spending a lot of time throwing spaghetti at the wall, but didn't realize all she knew is that it wasn't working, but she never understood that there were things that they were working. And once you kind of figure out what does work, you need to continue to do that. But she never knew that because she wasn't tracking it. So it is important to be able to track your success, your failures, and, and analyze your business week to week. If you are not doing so, you're doing yourself and your business at the service. And number three, the last thing that I I am going to encourage you is that you are very clear on where you are showing up to attract your clients, nurture them, engage them, and bring them into that proposal process. And lastly, making super fans of. So create a clear plan for where you're going to be. Is it social media? Is it in uh, networking events, or is it through other relationships and know where you are and track those relationships as much as possible so that you can get to the point in which you have the opportunity to submit proposals. Three great tips there for sure. Julie, thanks so much for the conversation today and being so open, honest, sharing your experience, what you're experiencing with your client, your systems, your processes, your strategies. We covered a lot today. We did. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Can you let our listeners know where they can get in touch with you, where they can reach out to you and connect and create that relationship? 
Absolutely. So I am Julie DeLuca Collins and all of the social media platforms. You can also find me on my website at goconfidentlycoaching.com. And there will be a tab there where they can choose to speak to me. Or if you wanted to just check out my podcast, which is Casa de Confidence, it is Casa de Confidence and all podcasting apps. Beautiful. I'm going to put all of those into the show notes so everyone can come and check you out and follow along and listen to your podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure and thank you ever so much for giving your time and sharing everything today. I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you so much as well. Thank you so much for this great conversation. And I tell you that people are going to really be able to find value in you bringing them this conversation because it's something that you are correct. Not a lot of people are talking about, but this is an integral part of what we do as service providers. I agree. Thanks so much, Julie. You're welcome. Before you go today, I wanted to say thank you for being here and listening all the way to the end. All of the links to this week's episode can be found in the show notes. Or if you like to read a really good blog, then you can head over to my website at sandrajulian.co forward slash podcast. Now you've probably realized that running a business is not for the faint hearted. There are challenges coming at you left, right and center every day. But I'm here to tell you that challenges are only challenges because you haven't yet found an answer to them. The solution could actually be easier than you may think. But if you're anything like me, you tend to overthink or overanalyze the solution that is right in front of you. So what do you have to do to become the best boss you could possibly be? Well, you could go and take my two-minute free agency owner persona quiz at sandrajulian.co forward slash quiz. Here you'll find out how you can scale and streamline your business without compromising you and your lifestyle. I can't wait to know what your results are. So once you've done the quiz, why don't you take a screenshot, jump over to Instagram, share it on your stories and don't forget to tag me. I'm at sandrajulian.co. If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure that you hit the subscribe button to get notified of the new episodes as soon as they're released. And if you listen on Spotify or the Apple Podcast app, then I'd really appreciate if you could rate the show and perhaps leave a quick review if you are on the Apple app. Those five stars would mean the world to me and it would help get this show in the ears of more online service business owners. Alrighty, my friend, have the most productive week and I will talk to you again real soon.